0: Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
0: What's up everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the Boston studio here. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you guys coming up today, one that we're very excited about here. We have got Kansas Jayhawks head football coach Lance Leipold stopping by the show today. We have got former NFL offensive tackle Andrew Whitworth getting us ready for Thursday night football tomorrow and... Dad, one that I know you and I are both very excited about here. Longtime friend of the show, all-around great person, and tonight, Celebrity Jeopardy contestant Katie Nolan (laughs) hanging out with us today here. It is, uh, I tell you, we got bangers ready for you every day, but this one goes above and beyond, Dad. For you, I know especially, obviously, pumped to talk to Lance Leipold. He's a great guy, done a phenomenal job with that Kansas program. Big Wits, former beef, so we love to stand that around here, but... You spend a lot of time watching Jeopardy in your guy's house. I know you and mom, Jake, my brother, and his wife, Jenny, watch a ton of it. And to see someone living out a dream that so many of us have is going to be just exceptional content tonight.
2: I I am so looking forward to this because we all sit there and watch game shows and want to be on it and yell at people when they don't get an answer that we all know and we think it's easy I remember we had Anthony Anderson on talking about he hosted some but also played in some and the difference of obviously sitting at home and then being there when the pressure's on of getting an answer out quick or hitting a buzzer quick wondering if you could do it. Now, the thing with me about Jeopardy is there is I I could get asked to do this if I never would. I wouldn't do this. Uh, There is no shot. I I would do like Wheel of Fortune or something like that. Jeopardy uh, unless it was like not even are you smarter than a fifth grader Jeopardy? Because I would probably I mean, think it 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 that it's
0: celebrity Jeopardy. That I don't care. Easier. Mike,
2: I don't care. I would get so found. I think I'm pretty smart until you have to be smart quickly, and then that adds a whole nother layer and uh, of that pressure. So God love Katie for this. I can't wait to, to you know th- the chat with. Her. I can't wait to see this uh, tonight. So I'm very excited about that. I so I wanted our family to be on Family Feud. Yeah, that'd um, be that'd be the. Point. I, I would love that.
1: Oh, that I, would I, be I amazing so, content.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because uh, it would tear us apart.
0: We would be. We would absolutely fold at the seams because. We like to all think we're really good at Family Feud. Dad's yeah. point about the the TV brain and what it does to you watching at home. We think we'd be good, and then we'd get to Fast Money, and there would be the argument about who we would send out in Fast Money. And then there's only downside once you get there, because if you are the reason that we don't win because this is hyper-competitive and that's how we rock, you're never going to live that down for the rest of your yeah. life. Any argument within the family group chat for the rest of time is going to end with, yeah, well, we lost Family Feud because you didn't know uh, what? how best to describe your spouse coming out of the shower or whatever category horny Steve Harvey Ooh. gives us. Wow, wow. There you go. I like that a lot. They would do uh, something
1: with the you guys sharing bathwater for sure. Oh, so, yeah, 100%. With, without question. But,
2: I mean, the, the, the wackiest part of that show to me is, and they must tell you to do it. No matter any answer given, they tell you to clap and say good answer. We would break that rule. I mean, no, there's no, no doubt yeah. about it. Uh, especially if Sydney was on the program, because we would try and push Sydney off and get her husband Ben on. Right, that would be the first. He went to trade Harvard. We were tr- we were trying Harvard, and he's in med school. I mean, how do you not have him on the team? But you know, if you give a dumb answer, we would we would they would have to beep us out. We wouldn't be saying good answer, good answer. We'd be like, what the hell did you just say? How dumb was that? So.
0: Well, I'd also only walk in there with one goal which is to be to get the Steve Harvey face like you know that far away disappointed face where he looks off at the mic because you've either said something so cosmically dumb like name a name a name that starts with the letter H where a guy confidently hit the podium and said Jose yeah and Steve Harvey (laughs) was apoplectic or the face that he makes anytime a person over 60 which quite honestly balls in your court on this one and this feels like right up your alley but anytime someone over 60 Says something horny. Steve Harvey absolutely is lost and so discon or so concerned about the state of humanity. And that would be my goal to say the thing that got him there. But I do feel like you're more in the demo that he usually reacts to. I would,
2: I would say something dumb. But that would be the the if if I went alone somewhere, it would be Wheel of Fortune. But I think I would like the family aspect. A family feud. I think that would be cool, but looking forward to, to talking with Katie and seeing her tonight on the show. That it's, it's one thing to watch it. It's another thing to watch it when you know somebody. But also, how about on the sports side? We now officially have three major sports going as hockey we dropped the puck last night for real uh, it was awesome to start that season you had another banner raise in Vegas for the golden Knights that's always a cool thing to see even better when you win after you do something well, like
0: that how, did you see the Vegas golden Knights in their banner raising this is the most college football stuff I've ever seen and I felt like this is right up your alley on the ice they had a giant slot machine yes, yes and they, they had did. one of the players go over and pull the lever and instead of you know triple bar or anything on there it was triple Stanley cups yeah. and then they raised the banner and Vegas is leaning all the way in. You've seen the pregame stuff that they've done around there. It's very on brand for them right now. But I looked at that and I realized, oh, the Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights are a college football team in the way they process things, and I love it.
2: It's awesome. Their, their opening is awesome. Their pregame is awesome. It's a great show. And, and like you said, they've leaned into it, and Vegas has leaned into sports as they should, which is so amazing because of how taboo it's been. I was talking to a local station out there before I I called the the Vegas and Green Bay game on Monday night, and that's one of the things we talked about is just where – talk about a 180 of Vegas was taboo, you know, to sports. No, you can't have athletes anywhere near that. To now, you can't get enough teams. You know, we got the aces there. You're going to have baseball there. You got football there, you got hockey there. You can't get enough sports there now. And and like we all thought, it's thriving. Not all the pro athletes didn't turn into degenerates and go hang out and you got to go find them at the blackjack table like everybody was fearing, you know, or or making bets here and there secretly. Uh I mean, it's it's been fantastic. They've been great for
0: that. So we had that popping off last night. Basketball was going on last night. We've got Texas Rangers go ahead yes. and punching their ticket, sending home the 100 win Baltimore Orioles oh. last night. The Rangers now undefeated in their postseason. And, Dad, I need to tell Jason Fitz to suck it right now because you have got the power of Creed on full display here in this moment. The Texas Rangers, who had reportedly been fueled by playing Creed in their dugout, Creed in their locker room, had it blaring over the stadium last night as they went out there and blasted in this game. A 7-1 win to send the Orioles home in this game. You get Max Scherzer beer showers in the locker room. It was glorious all the which way, Dad.
2: It really was. I mean, and and for Baltimore, how not glorious in, a team that didn't get swept all season, and all of a sudden they get swept in the post. I mean, we'll talk about that and get into that more. But but a nice sweep for them. It looks like they'll uh, be facing uh, Houston, who who was up three uh, one in their in their series or two one. It two one and two or three one. I don't know. They're they're up. They're, they're they're looking good. They're starting to take control uh, of that. They're up two one right now. Two one two one. That's right. Three one. It'll be over. Um, so it's as I said. Uh, three sports going now, with basketball on the horizon of of starting in the regular season soon. So all is all is right in the world of sports.
0: Yeah, it's a lot happening at once right now. I do think we need more beer showers. I think seeing that after the game uh, for Texas just reminds us there's always a good reason to go and get covered in, the be- covered in beer with the homies. But Would you put yeah, the
2: goggles on, though? Would you put the goggles on? Yeah. I mean, that- oh, yeah, it's a would look you? now. Why wouldn't yeah. you? I, I don't want know. beer in my eyes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just I, I, I don't know if I would put it on. I think I would just want the whole experience, my eyes burning and everything. There's
0: nothing wrong with using protection. Oh, Okay.
1: Yeah, All make right. sure you put those goggles on. You know, you never yeah, know what you, you might you, what you might see in there. And yeah. what if you what if something happens to your eyeball? You still got more games to play.
0: Right. You can't afford to get hurt. This isn't like if you want to if you want to go out there and go in without the goggles for winning the world series you got a whole offseason to recover after that you don't got to worry about that you need these eyes to work hand eye coordination it's high level stuff that's going on this is the al freaking cs you don't want to be out here on ir because you had an extra bud light hit you in the retina
2: yeah i mean i get it oh, but i, yeah. I, just,
0: I look just, how
1: hard I that's coming into the face i mean, I mean it's I direct inject to the eyeballs <laughs> yeah. there yeah, yeah. Well, they're doing that because they got
2: the goggles on. I mean, I don't know well, if they'd be doing that if they didn't have the goggles on. Max, I
0: mean, Max takes the goggles off midway through this and just good. decides he wants to see the real thing. He wants yeah. to
2: fully... Well, that's the thing, too. You got no windshield wiper on the goggles. All of a sudden, everything's blurred. You're not seeing anything. Yeah. Are you enjoying the celebration if you don't see it? That's it looks like question. he's having a good time. Yeah. It looks like that is a nice way
0: to be able to enjoy it without fear of anything happening to your peepers there. I don't know why he decided to try and feed his buddy beers directly through his eyes. Maybe that's what kids are doing now. (laughs) I love to see it, though. So congratulations to the Texas Rangers who went out here and make it happen. Bruce Bochy, the Midas touch over in that organization. Three World Series of his own already, and now helping that. By the way, uh, Dad, deep, dark, despicable, sad here before we move on to some football. I saw this tweet last night from Tyler Samsal, who writes... He is of uh, DFW, The Ticket. Three of four Dallas teams have now made the final four within the last two years. Not sure who the missing one is in terms of professional sports teams there. The Dallas Cowboys have had to watch the Rangers ineptitude and live long enough to see them find their way back to the stage before the Cowboys have even sniffed anything of true value in the postseason.
2: How about that? The worst of the, the, worst of the pro, pro franchises. Down in Dallas, Take scene. that one, huh? That tough, a tough scene. call. That is a tough, tough call. And and coming off the whooping that they just took, uh, doesn't the way they played there, the way San Fran played there, doesn't look like they're g- going to get to the final four. Well, they may get there. Uh, maybe they'll get a rematch with them, but but I doubt it. Yeah, and as
0: Debo Samuel said yesterday in response to Micah Parsons, <laughs> I don't know if you want that rematch. Yeah, I don't know if that's life that you want to choose. So. Uh, we will all hope we get that back in some <laughs> form or fashion. But, Dad, uh, NFL wise, I, I want to get to something different. It happened right when we ended the show yesterday that you heard a coach unusually candid about the situation going on behind closed doors in Carolina. Frank Reich is in his first year as the head coach of the Panthers, and they're off to an 0-5 start, and things aren't looking great. And he stepped to the podium yesterday and talked about his owner, David Tepper, and his style of ownership in the building
2: compared to some others, and I thought
0: this was interesting. Take a listen.
2: There's different philosophies in ownership. You know what I mean? Some owners kind of stay stay away and and don't engage a whole lot other owners do and his philosophy is he's going to engage and um, and listen it's only been a short experience but it's been a really good experience it hasn't been fun you know it's not fun those those meetings aren't I wouldn't characterize them as fun meetings Um, but those meetings make me better and I trust they make us better There's different philosophies in ownership, you know what I mean? Some owners kind of...
0: So, Dad, does that concern you at all? If you're a Carolina Panthers fan and you're hearing about your owner having weekly meetings with the head coach of the football team that sound like he's getting read the Riot Act, does that give you the warm fuzzies? Because we have these debates all the time about... How involved and in what ways you want your owners to be in a professional sports team?
2: Well, I want my owner involved. See, it it doesn't the difference here is I want my owner involved, not necessarily making decisions, right? Football decisions. I think you I I like an involved owner because I had the absolute opposite of that when I was in Philadelphia. Norman Brayman owned the team. That dude, not only was he not hands-on, he wasn't even around. He was gone a lot in France a lot. So I mean, he would but to a player, it doesn't matter. I mean, it depends on who you're talking about. Players don't care if the owners are, are, are around or not. Players would care if the owners are making football decisions and they're dumb football decisions, but that's why you hire coaches and GMs and, and, and the way you, you structure it, to let them make the business the football decisions while you own the team. I I'm happy an owner meets with a a coach or a GM or whoever every single week to get the temperature. Listen, he's owned that team for over a handful of years now and it's not gone well. So but wouldn't you d- say it
0: hasn't gone well in part because this owner ac- appears to be hyper aggressive and has cycled them through quarterbacks that ultimately did not help well, the team win. And that constant change in that position was definitely a net negative for the Panthers. Well, I
2: mean, is that on the owner or is that on the people that are picking the the, the quarterbacks that aren't working? You know, unless the owner is the one picking that player that's not working, to me, that's on the coaches and the general manager. Mainly, you know, the general, whoever is in in, in, in in involved in picking personnel, that's who it's on. So to me it doesn't sound like Tepper, you know, Jerry Jones. Remember Jerry Jones had to get talked out of of uh, picking Johnny Manziel so they made the right move and picked Zach Martin. You <laughs> know, you know you traded you you picked an old guard instead of a quarterback, not sexy, but you got a guy walking into the Hall of Fame. So that was a great move. So there is there has been trepidation at times of Jerry Jones involvement because it's almost too much in some of the decisions. That have been made. I don't, Tepper isn't like that. Tepper is, they went out and they spent some money on free agents, you know, and and the, the difference is now what I don't know is who was involved because you heard Frank uh, Reich like CJ Stroud. They took Bryce Young. Who's ultimate to sit now? If that's on Tepper, then and, and it doesn't Which work. Which the not, fact nor- that
0: that's out there at right. all as a leak or report is yes. pretty damning for uh, what's I, going on inside I, that building.
2: I agree. I completely agree. Um, so if if that's the case, then that's more of an issue to me as well. You hire football people to make football decisions, uh, but at the end of the day, he signs a check. So if he wants to step in and bigfoot everybody, and I don't know that's what he did, or or if that if that's what's going on. But if that in fact is okay, and we don't know how it's going to end up right now. C.J. Stroud obviously playing better. That team is doing better in Houston, but it's a long way off of knowing who won that with the early starting quarterbacks of Young and Stroud and Richardson of who's going to be the best. So, But you hear they took Young and Reich wanted Stroud, so that would be a concern for me. I like ownership involvement, but not to the point of personnel decisions because that's, that's exactly why you hire football people to make football decisions.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's the only worries if you've got someone who's this involved And especially David Tepper, by all accounts, is a strong-willed, strong-opinion guy, and so does that start to leak into some of the conversations around the football process? Because, Dad, one thing I saw in terms of Bryce Young, who you talked about here, is from Joseph Person who covers the Carolina Panthers for the Athletic talked about the juncture they're at with their season right now, 0-5, things really looking listless. And CJ or uh, Bryce Young has struggled during his young career, put up some of his best numbers of the season this weekend, but still a bunch of mistakes that ultimately undermine the team performance. And he threw out the idea of one of the possibilities, things that could happen if the Carolina season keeps going the way it is, And he mentioned the idea of sitting Bryce Young down for a little bit. The offense looked its most explosive with Andy Dalton under center when Bryce was out with the ankle injury. Dad, would you see any benefit to sitting a young guy down early in this season? We know the thought with a lot of these young quarterbacks was get him on the field, let him make mistakes. We've seen it happen in the past. People bring up Aikman and Manning all the time. But is there anything to be gained with, hey, we know Bryce is going to be our guy in the future. He's having a really rough stretch right now. The team's really down right now. Is there a different vantage point that he could see if you put him on the sideline for a little bit? and let him sort of collect himself
2: only if he looks lost and it looks like he's losing his confidence would i do something like that other than that he's staying on the field and learning i i am one of those eyes eyes watered nose bloody go ahead and get your experience Uh, but uh, that's that's to a point again is he losing confidence is he making bad decisions is uh, is he regressing In what you see on film, it's not necessarily just don't look at the play, look at everything. How quickly is he recognizing coverage? You know, pre-snap, post-snap, throwing to the right guy, how is he throwing it, how is he leading? Those are the things that if he's waning on that and regressing on that, then maybe you'd step back and take a breath. But if it's just these are the speed bumps of being a rookie quarterback where he's doing the right thing, seeing the right things, he's just not there yet. I leave him on the field. We know what this season's going to be for them. So as long as there's not the regression or or the wide eyes or the lost feeling out there, he's staying out in the field as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, and I think that's it. And that's really on Frank Reich. If we go back yes. to the central central yep. figure of this conversation, is he's got to be able to know because I do think there is value in being able to take a breath and see things from a different vantage point when mm-hmm. you're going, going, going since the start of the season on a bad team. We know part of this is We've bemoaned the weapons in Carolina. We know he doesn't have a lot of receivers to help him out. We know that offensive line, especially going back to the preseason, hadn't performed as well because it's that idea of practice makes perfect versus actually practice makes habit, and you worry about young quarterbacks early on in their career internalizing so many mistakes, so many bad football things, so many things, like you said, that are regression from what they know and what they've been doing in a positive way that you worry about that seeping in too much too early and then tainting a young quarterback or affecting the way they develop there I think there's value to it in the right circumstances like you said and I think that's on the coach to recognize especially as relative to the rest of that locker room too is it got to a point where he's so rattled it's a net negative and everybody in that locker room can see it and not doing something ultimately makes you look bad in front of that program back after this it's Gojo and Gola here on the DraftKings Network It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with a championship. Much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year. And is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free, ZipRecruiter.com Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome back to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., and Jesse Cofield dad we've got a host of teams that have gotten off to a real struggle of a start right now a lot of one and four teams the patriots broncos giants bears and cardinals all trying to right the ship this weekend and one of the matchups that we have is uh you know basically a loser leaves town you've got the one in four minnesota vikings in a division game against the one and four chicago bears for this week and Two teams in very different positions in their life, Dad. Justin Fields and the Bears have a couple of games, a promise to point to on offense, a win last week against the Washington Commanders. But for the Vikings now, with this Justin Jefferson news of him going on IR for the, uh, for the near future and this idea that he's not going to rush back, doesn't want to re-injure this, that's part of why they're putting him on IR, does this change the immediate future of Kirk Cousins, Dad? We've heard so many conversations about the potential trade value of Kirk Cousins, what teams might swing for him. Does news like this around Justin Jefferson, your team's best player, affect that conversation in any meaningful way for
2: you? Well, I mean, listen, even with Justin Jefferson, they're one in four. <laughs> so I, Justin Jefferson is not leading this team to the playoffs, unfortunately. Now, him being out, I mean, really kind of cements, I think, what the obvious already was, in, in my opinion, anyway. So... I didn't think Minnesota was going to get there anyway, so it's just just now saying, okay, this this is the last straw that this happened. So let's move on from Kirk Cousins, which everybody is talking about. But Mike, that is, to and that's where we're going here, right? Because we've seen the trade deadline work now, as I've talked about years ago when I when I was doing shows. It was just a day that came and went. Nobody did anything. But we saw the effect of Christian McCaffrey. We saw the effect of TJ Hawkinson of going to other teams and being successful and then being with those teams. So here's the difference if you we want to sit there and trade or think about a trade of Kirk Cousins, which is very easy to say, right? Oh, they should trade that guy. It's the last year of his contract. Probably don't want to bring him back. You franchise him, that's too much money, so you're going to move on from him. So let's trade him, let's get some assets for him before we move on. Great to say you got to find a trade partner because the one thing you don't see in the NFL is a one-year rental, right? We, we, we really haven't seen a lot of that. So where is Kirk Cousins going? Who's the trade partner? Everybody keeps saying, Jets, get him, Jets, get him. Well, you've got Aaron Rodgers that's going to come back next year. Are you going to bring Kirk Cousins in for a year, give up assets for him, and you're doing it only to make a playoff run. You're not bringing them in just to, you know, solidify a team to finish out of the playoffs. You're bringing them in for a reason. Are, what happens well, after and, that?
0: Oh, by the way, with a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers that didn't respond all that yes. well last time competition got brought into his quarterback room, I'm with you, Dad, that the Jets would not be a team that I would put in that for that reason. No. But. I would think a team that's a little bit more secure in their long-term answer at quarterback that's still in win-now mode could potentially be up there if an injury happens. Like I do think this is something that only seriously gets broached if there's an injury that happens to someone who is a contender, who feels like they're in win-now mode, who has a late-season injury, or I should say an injury before the trade deadline, right? Right. and feels like, hey, if we bring Kirk Cousins in for this one-year stopgap, we can give up some resources there, because I think you'd have to pay a pretty steep price tag to do this to make it work there i was talking with dominique foxworth and his producer charlie yesterday about a team like the dolphins a team like if the Bengals were to somehow get it rolling and then joe burrow gets hurt at the end of the season and you feel like man if we just have an adult with two hands on the wheel the 49ers from last year if something were to happen to brock purdy you look at where they were last season and say hey if they just had a quarterback they're probably winning the super bowl
2: yeah no listen i i agree with that so i guess that's the point now is Everybody so easily throws out trade for trade for Kirk Cousins, trade for Kirk Cousins. Well, it's not that simple. It's just not when you have to give up assets, and and then what are you doing going forward? Like you well, said in your scenario, if their their sure star quarterback gets hurt, Kirk Cousins knows he's going into a situation where he's not going to be the quarterback of the future of that team. But again, you're you're still giving up assets for it. So I, I'm now is that what we do? We just wait and see because it's amazing to me the talk out there of trade him, trade him, trade him. And that's the easiest line in the world to say. Let's say there's no injury anywhere. Where are you trading him? Where right now what team is going to trade for him?
0: Well, yeah, no, I don't think it's happening then. Like, I, I think that's <laughs> yeah. one of those things where it would have to be a truly desperate team. And we don't have that yet at this point. Because And for the Vikings on the other side. Unless you're offered a King's Ransom dad, this is not the easiest thing in the world to consider. For you in a locker room, if you're a veteran player on that team and you see them trade the starting quarterback of your team, who you know is not going to be there next year, everyone can read the writing on the wall with that, but punting in the middle of the season like that, that's a tough thing to explain to your football team.
2: The only thing I'll say about that, Mike, is the team, the players, players know the writing on the wall better than anybody. They know, they'll see it if if in fact we get to a trade, they're going to know they're not going anywhere this year. And well, the one thing that you have to be able to do is understand it's a business. So even if they didn't get a King's ransom is something better than nothing. Because if you play out the season with Kirk and he's gone, you get nothing. You don't make the playoffs and you get nothing. Now, here's the other thing from a business side of it. If you trade away Kirk Cousins, again, you have to find a trade partner. We're assuming that, and and it's a horrible thing to assume because I think it's going to be hard to do. Now, the worse you finish, what does also that mean? The better draft pick that you get. So that's, you know, not the tanking that we talk about because, again, players never tank, but trade away. you got your wide receiver who's got a bad hammy is going to miss four weeks. You know, you're coming up on the trade deadline. Trade away your starting quarterback. Your season's probably not going to go well. You got something, even if you didn't get a King's ransom, you got something for him instead of nothing if you don't trade him. And, oh, by the way, you're in for a bad year and a higher draft pick. You know, if Kirk Cousins is in the locker room or not, and they only win four or five games this year, if I'm a veteran, who cares? Who cares is at the quarterback position because you're not going anywhere anyway?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, especially now that they don't have Justin Jefferson for at least the next four weeks – You've paid T.J. Hawkinson, which is great. You've got Jordan Addison that you drafted. None of this works without Justin Jefferson and the unholy amount of attention that he draws in that offense. They've been the most lopsided run-to-pass offense in the NFL. They've been an air-raid assault that's now going to have a lot less fun. Dad, it was interesting, too, you brought up the team's hopes for the future. There was this idea that maybe Justin Jefferson coming, not coming back right away could be a leverage play. There's the contract situation. He didn't get the payday this offseason. They didn't come to that deal type thing. And so would this be a leverage point there? I would look at that and say, if you're the organization, you want him healthy for the long term One, selfishly, because you're going to pay him. That's going to end up being a reality. Whatever quarterback is under center for you next year is going to have their life made a ton easier with the presence of the best wide receiver in football. But also, like you said, the notion of, hey, we're going to be pretty bad this year. If we were a little bit more bad, not the worst thing in the world. So it kind of serves two masters for you to make sure, hey, Justin Jefferson, you take as long as you need yep. to feel 100% healthy because it doesn't benefit us any which way to bring you back here any earlier than you need.
2: Absolutely does not. Not to bring him back and him to come back and him to to tweak that again. No. You know you're going to pay him. I mean, it, this is one of the more obviously obvious ones there is. He's going to get paid. Obvious ones, Jamar Chase is going to get paid. These guys are going to get paid. If not, if there's any kind of back and forth with the team, any kind of fan's going to say, what the hell are you doing, ownership? You know, these are no-brainer signings. So you're right, you want him healthy. And again, along the way, if you can get him healthy, get something for Kirk Cousins, if you can find a trade partner, which is always the tough part, and then you may get a better draft pick the worse you finish, You know, that's sometimes sometimes that's the season for you.
0: It's complicated for players because your whole livelihood is based on what goes on here. These are things that the upper crust of guys get to think about. Those are luxuries and rich people problems. For everyone else, a bad season could be damning. It could be the end of some guy's career based on how interconnected all of football is. And so it's always a really dicey proposition.
2: So you want to win. But when you see as a team, the team goal is to win. But when you see that may not be happening, and and you're worrying about yourself anyway, but the team is a big picture as well. Now you get to the point of, I am damn making sure my T's are crossed and my I's are dotted. It is for me. Am I in a contract year? Am I a fringe player? you got to worry exactly about what's going on for your future. Yeah, and you've always brought this up. It's a lot more is about the
0: preparation than the product on the field because once you get to the field, self-preservation gets o- takes over. The preparation during the week is where this can suffer. Speaking of preparation during the week, the Colorado Buffaloes may involve Travis Hunter soon. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a wash party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the Perfect Eats. Luckily, you're a game-time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery. It's DiGiorno.
1: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Great news for Deion Sanders and co. Out in Colorado. According to Dion, two-way star Travis Hunter has a tremendous chance to return Friday against Stanford after missing the team's past three games. Uh, here's what he had to say about the chances.
3: There's a tremendous chance he could play. Uh, it, it goes by how he looks, how he performs in practice, how his win is. Wind. Um, he has to be in shape. I don't want him... To be a liability. I want him to always be a tremendous asset.
1: I love how he's like, Yeah, we just got to make sure this man is not a liability.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, by the way. (laughs) And you know what? It's with Deion Sanders and Travis Hunter, it's been encouraging, Dad, in a culture that we know Deion comes from where. The idea is you tough everything out, you play through stuff, you play hurt, the era of football that you guys both played in here. The way he's handled this injury where we had a while back the video of him reading the text messages from Travis in front of his team where he wanted to be back for the big game they were going to play against Oregon or USC and he said, no, I'm not going to let you back until you're absolutely ready to go. I care about more the young man than I do the product and the result on the field. I thought was encouraging. Deion's checked a lot of really competent boxes early on in his coaching career with some high-end stuff but there's no doubt out For a team that came out and did what they did against USC, got a close win last week against Arizona State, where, dad, I saw a lot of people very bothered about Shadour Sanders going over to show his watch to the student section after a narrow win over a bad Arizona State team. Where would what would you be going through your well, head if you were a teammate of of Shador Sanders in that moment? If you were an O or D lineman on that team who had struggled watching your quarterback go and stunt on the student section like that?
2: Well, I mean, I, I listen again. That's one of those moves I, I'm I'm not really fond of, but I get it. They're your younger younger players, younger kids, and and they stunt like that at times. And <laughs> we've seen him do that thing. Oh no. With, with yes. the auto, you know. Before I know, I know. Come on now, come on. Um, if I'm a teammate, listen. There's always that thought of your you're writing a check. I have to cash. This was post game, so you know. I mean, I, I don't think there's there's much worry there. And I think all the players in Colorado already know. Remember, we talk about their realization. Players understand, even college players. What's going on? That they all have a target on their back anyway. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, they with, know with at the this weight. point. Yeah, they they really do. And and I really, how Dion has mixed old school and new school, going to the Hunter injury and you're right. I mean, you know, Dion was was my heir, and he was a little past obviously me as as well. Is you just played? You just went out and played, and you realize it's not the smartest thing in the world. I mean, I go back and look at going on the field in some of the situations and it was, probably would have been smarter not to. I should have redshirted my senior year instead of going out to play. You get smarter over the years of what you do in in preservation. And this was the right thing to do for Dion for this young young player. And he's right about being in shape. I mean, he's a two-way guy. Will he come back and play two ways right away? I have, I have no idea. But Shador, listen, I think all the players already know the showboating and the talk that goes on with him. It's not like oh my God, where did this come from? It's like, I think it's like, what's he going to do this time, right? So I don't think it surprised anybody. I don't think it bothers anybody in that locker room because they know that Shador's personality. They know he's going to do something like that. They know he's going to say something, and that's just the expectation. Whether you like it or not, he's going to do it.
0: And I think we've seen them handle loss pretty well so far. It's not a worry of someone going out and embarrassing you in that sense. So I, I think it's one of those things I'm generally pretty pro celebrating for players. You get so few instances. We always talk about how hard winning is in this sport, but we rarely ever celebrate it with that sincerity, understanding it's difficult to get to those points. Well, Shadour wasn't part of the losing last year for this program, to get a chance to enjoy those moments and to be confident enough to do it. I think so many of us walk through life with our tail tucked between our legs because we're afraid to celebrate because we know the minute you fail, people are going to be ready to tear yes. you down. Yeah. A program led by the greatest defensive back of all time has the confidence to work through that and be themselves publicly in a way that feels healthy in some ways as I sit here and put my therapist cap on. Maybe well, that's the healthiest
2: thing in the world. But see, see, I agree. I mean, even in their losses, I, I, and that's been a big thing. Thing to me, they've handled it well. Dion has handled it well, and that feeds down to the players on how you handle it. Hey, we got our butts whooped. You know, we got to get better. We need to get better here. We need to get better there. They haven't said anything really bad, even in the losses. And and I actually like when Dion says, tells the other coaches, "Hey, get us now because this is the worst we're ever going to be." You know, I, I like that for a team that's two wins away from being bowl eligible. Crazy, and they have two absolutely more- crazy. And they have two more t- teams that are unranked. They're playing Stanford uh, this week, who is is not ranked. And then later in the season, they play Arizona. They still have UCLA, Oregon State, Washington State, and Utah, who are all, at this point, ranked teams. So... We'll see how it goes. And I would I would still expect some success even though against those teams. But as I said, you need the, the six wins and they have two more unranked. So I, I do think they're gonna go bowling this year. And I like the direction this year. And I I, I can't sit there and, and really look at Dion and say, Man, I don't like the way he's going about his business. Like I said, I don't think other coaches do, because in the coaching fraternity it's about Keep the spotlight off of me, put it on my players. And Dion doesn't do that. The spotlight well, is on him. I, he knows the spotlight is on him, but I think he has his players handling it, handling it well.
1: By the way, guys, uh, Dion has been very vocal recently about how he's saying we have to get him a lucrative watch deal. He can't keep doing this for free. So uh, he's looking, he's about his business, okay?
0: Yes, yes. Well, I mean, we know that too. Dion keeps filing for uh, trademarks for catchphrases. Every other day I wake up and he's filed for something new. The latest this week, uh, I believe, was uh, Give Me My Damn Theme Music and Bull Junk that he is now tried to trademark here, along with it's personal, we keep receipts, and ain't nobody care. The (laughs) ability for someone to trademark phrases that people have said for a long time because he said them most recently is incredible. That man is getting to the money this year. He
2: is not the first or last that is going to do things uh, for money. I did a, a thing with him years ago, right, that we had to wear jerseys for, and I don't know if it was either one of the sponsors on the jersey, he had a competing one, or... He wasn't getting paid by them, but he cut that off his jersey. It was like on the sleeve, and he cut that sponsor off the jersey. So as I said, he's not the first or last uh, to do things according to a sponsor or wanting to get paid for something. So, you know, especially in this day and age, man, where you do do the right thing or get get it seen enough on TikTok or something that you're going to get money for, I have no problem with somebody wanting to do some stuff to get some money.
0: Well, And I do think it's encouraging that he's also pointing that in the direction of his players, because now he right. can do that for the first time. He's been making money hand over fist with the kind of sponsorship deals and commercials right. we've watched him do with Sabin for a couple of years now, so that's all worked pretty well. We can ask, Like I, I'd be curious, so Lance Leipold, the head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks, is going to join us next, and... The conversations that get had around college football right now are very interesting because a lot of it is, hey, NIL based, this cult of personality, the things that coaches like Deion Sanders are doing to try and build up a program early on. I saw an article in the L.A. Times yesterday about Lincoln Riley, about a guy who just turned 40 years old and has seen a couple of his coaching mentors pass away recently in his head, sort of this, you know, I think existential crisis that everyone has as they get older in life, but looking around his profession and wondering, you know, how long do I want to do this? How much am I missing by being involved at this level as a college coach here versus what his NFL counterparts have just in general versus people in life knowing what these coaches go through, dad? And for Lance Leipold, who's been around this a lot longer, who's closer to your age in coaching yep. and has come up you know, through Wisconsin-Whitewater and, and Buffalo and all these different places as a coach to arrive here now, the different perspectives on the outlook for coaches that have so much on their plate given the current schedule, given the current demands of the sport, and the recruiting calendar that spans so much of the year is, are we going to see more guys stick around long enough to be doing this at Lance Leipold's age? It
2: has changed immensely for coaches. Coaches love coaching and they knew what came along with it and a lot more got heaped onto their plate. Now, I say that, I don't feel sorry for them. They get paid a lot of money to coach uh, football in college, but there is more responsibility that goes with it. So I am interested too, and Lance, what he may say about where that is now, the extra that got thrown on him and how that's managed in the college game now and if that takes a little bit of shine off just the love of coaching with all the ancillary stuff that goes along with it.
0: It it is fascinating because we've seen this happen with players, right? Money's gotten so good in the NFL that players look at their long-term physical health and say, maybe I don't want to stick around and play a decade plus even if I've got the opportunity and you mentioned all that money in coaching now. You can make so much of it so quickly in college that maybe there is a thought of, well, I don't want to do this until I'm 65, 70 years old. We will ask Kansas Jayhawks head football coach Lance Leifold, all of this and more coming up next here on Gojo and Gold. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn five bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. That means as we lurch towards March Madness, you can try and figure out who's going to win this whole thing. On the men's side, teams like UConn, Houston, and Purdue. On the women's side, South Carolina, Stanford, the Lady Irish and Notre Dame, or maybe Caitlin Clark's Iowa Hawkeyes finally get over the hump. Make the decision for yourself and head over and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code GOJO when you do. New customers can bet 5 bucks and get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. Welcome back to Gojo and Golick, Mike Golick Jr. and Mike Golick Senior. And we are delighted now to be joined by the head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks football team, Lance Leipold, with us here. Uh, coach, thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you doing?
3: Uh, my pleasure. Good morning, guys. Doing well. Doing well.
0: Coach, it's it's so fascinating. We're in the middle of college football season right now. You guys are five and one. You got Oklahoma State coming up this week, and you're rolling right now. And it's interesting because everyone's treating that like very normal. Last year, you guys were this revelation in college football. Game day came to Lawrence for the first time, and you've made that university really care about and invest in football so much that I don't want to say people are taking it for granted this year, but it feels very normal now that you guys are going out and you're sitting here at 5-1. and one. What's that experience been like for you in week in year two down in Lawrence right now?
3: Yeah, it's pretty unique. It's how quickly, uh, you know, we can all forget maybe uh, of where we start and where, where things kind of go. And and I think as coaches sometimes we gotta enjoy that process a little bit. But it, it you know it's exciting that expectations change and, and we've been able to keep a core group of guys together and keep getting better. And we got a lot of football to play yet. And and as we know, the, the Big 12 conference has become so competitively equal and it's kind of how you're matching up each and every week and you and, and don't get caught in comparisons because it, it can change pretty quickly
2: yeah now the expectation which has changed out and it makes the pressure really on to say okay <laughs> we got to keep meeting that expectations in a in a college world that that gets talked about a lot now that's you've been in this for a while you and i are about the same age you're i know you're you're younger i'm 60 of how it's changed so talk about it from your side of it with nil with the transfer portal of what you got into when you first started coaching to now your expectations are high again and keeping them there with all the new new things kind of thrown in
3: yeah mike that's a great question you know 30 plus years ago, I was a graduate assistant for Barry Alvarez when he was building uh, the program at the university of Wisconsin. And, you know, e- even in ph- philosophical ways of doing things, I think it still stays to the core, but, um, you know, find a way to run the football, play good, tough defense, and you got a chance to win some football games. Well, and then all of a sudden you, you go to tempo offenses and all these different things, spreading things out rarely under center. I, I think the game has changed immensely that way. Um, but I think for us, at the core of what we want to do, we want to be fundamentally sound within the program. We're gonna, we want to be a physical team. We we're able to have a dominant running game last week, so that part changes. Now, when you get into Nil and 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 roster retainment but also having a an immediate way to improve your roster which we've been able to do you know we've been able to to find players that that fit our uh you know our culture of what we want to try to do but yet maybe look for that other opportunity so we can't just turn our nose up at that as well we went from a program that was having some of the most affections to we had the least amount in the big 12 last year so it's a different balancing act Of what we thought we signed up for many years ago, for sure.
0: And part of the change in that now, too, is how quickly you can change the fate of your team. Colorado's a team that's getting ready to join you guys in the Big 12 this upcoming season. And Deion Sanders, a lot like you did last year, but in very different ways, has been able to help turn around that program here in the immediacy. What have you made of that injection of personality and head coaching for someone whose path's a little bit different than maybe yours
3: or others? Yeah, you know, I was kind of asked something about Coach Sanders a few uh, a week or so ago. I I think you know, and I probably answered it tongue in cheek about you know I watch NFL, he played NFL, and all these type of things. Uh, but I, I think when I really, after I got done answering it, you know, Dion coached high school football. He then coached. FCS football at the HBCU level, which doesn't always have the same resources as even maybe the North Dakota States and South Dakota States and some of those schools. I think that gets kind of lost in in, in some of the things that he's been able to do. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, you talk more, <clears throat> excuse me, more about the roster of people uh, and, and turnover. But I think he's been able to come up through some of the ranks. Just like uh, you know, a lot of our staff members here at the Division Three level and do and and did a lot with with maybe less resources, and I, I have to commend him for that. And I think he's uh, changed a a lot about how us will look at it.
2: one of one of the things along those lines too. Going back to to what you're dealing with now, and, and I heard somebody talking to a bunch of recruits about this is and and how true it may be that less high school seniors get scholarships now be if you have like 25 to get, sometimes it's 12 to high school kids and 12 to transfer portal guys so how has yeah. that changed
3: yeah i i think mike what we're trying to do is at, at least as a base philosophy is that if we have a senior that's matriculating through graduation we're going to replace that position on our chart with uh with a high school player if we lose a player through um, unfortunate attrition, then we're maybe going to look at it um, through the portal. Mm. Uh, I, I went through and looked last year at a time. I, I think most Power Five schools were signing about fifteen to seventeen high school players, and and now that though there's not the hard cap anymore, you do have a chance to to make up in some other ways. So it is an opportunity, but I, I think maybe group of five FCS and other 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 levels of football should benefit from some of those high school players that might, might not have signed at the power five level right out of high school.
0: Coach, one of the other big changes around the sport we've seen is the sort of year-round nature of the recruiting calendar, a lot of the holdover rules from the pandemic. And we've seen a lot of people comment on the effect it's having on coaches. Do you think this is going to be something that drives some coaches away from the sport long-term if the schedule stays this demanding?
3: Yeah, I I think uh... – as Mike said earlier, I, I think uh, my age has kind of put me in the fourth quarter, maybe so to speak, <laughs> in this thing. So, uh, you know, I, I think my personality and things is is always going to be at the college level. But I do think there's going to be a – it, it's a tough life on assistant coaches now. It really is. And, and uh, not just on the assistant coaches, more importantly, on their families. And, mm. and that's tough. And uh, I think you're going to see that – Probably there's going to be some people at this level that are going to gravitate themselves to the NFL lifestyle, where it is just coaching, and the scouting department is going to handle the travel. I, I do, I, I do worry about that, and and uh, feel very fortunate and blessed here at Kansas that I've been able to maintain a staff.
2: Coach, just about a minute or so left. You got a game against Oklahoma State. Your quarterback Jalen Daniels has the back issue. Where are we with that? And and tell us a little bit about this game coming up.
3: Yeah, I, you know, right now Jalen's still kind of in a a day to day type thing. He's he's highly doubtful for this week. Um, Jason Bean will will get the start again. Um, you know, uh, going down to Stillwater's a tough place to play. Um, Kansas State found that out last week. We found that out two years ago. We're going to have to continue to be able to run the football. Find a way to keep uh, minimizing opportunities for. It looks like. You know, coach Gundy has settled in on a quarterback and and they're starting to find their stride. So it'll be a big game big game for us and and hopefully we'll find a way to 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 get a road win and get that sixth win of the year.
0: It's been impressive as hell to watch coach. the last couple of years, what you've been able to do, resetting the foundation for that program, all the investment that the university's made in it now. It's exciting to see. And I know myself and a lot of others are looking forward to watching you guys and the continued success for the Jayhawks there. So thanks so much, Coach. Best of luck this week. And hopefully we'll get to run into you again down the road here soon.
3: Sounds great, guys. Always respect the job both you guys do. It's great to be with you. Appreciate the opportunity and rock chalk, everyone.
2: There you go, Coach. Thanks. There we go. go. Rock
3: chalk, baby. (laughs) Love that.
0: It really is incredible, Dad. Like I remember going down to Kansas. This was years ago now before Coach was in the building when it was still less miles around there when you had Coastal Carolina sort of announce their presence on the big stage in college football with a huge upset on the road there in Kansas. And you wondered towards the tail end there what football was going to continue to look like at a school that's traditionally been a basketball power. But now we see what Mark Stoops has been able to build at Kentucky. Obviously, Mac Brown's had his second stint here at North Carolina that's enjoyed more recent success. But Kansas, in the shadow of that building, and man, you go on campus and you saw traditionally the stark contrast in the resources and the things the basketball program had versus what football had across the street for Leipold, Coach Leipold to come in in one year and get it to a point now where they're 5-1, and one and we're like, yeah, of course they're 5-1. and one. It's Kansas football is nothing short of yeah. remarkable. Really, what him and, and and the other side, what Kansas State, and they've been able to do over there as well, has been pretty insane.
2: And now he has to deal with that expectation all the time, right? Now it's like, okay, you're winning, so winning begets winning. Let's keep it going. So, But it's pressure you want. That's the expectation you want, and that's why you go to a school and try and turn it around like that. Pressure's a privilege
0: coming up next. We'll see if it bursts pipes or makes diamonds with Andrew Whitworth as we look ahead to Thursday Night Football in the upcoming NFL slate.